0: This past December, uh, I had a pretty big event happen in my life. If you were around here, you may have remembered uh, a song that I didn't know about. It was some pictures of me throughout my childhood. I had no idea that was happening. And then a birthday cake showing up on stage because I had turned 40 this past December. And you know what happens at 40, right? Midlife crisis. So... Uh, I've been trying not to have a midlife crisis. I have not bought a Lamborghini yet. Um, I haven't done anything too extreme. But one of the things uh, that happens around these uh, monumental birthdays, for me at least, is I ask the question, uh, what have I done with my life? What have I done in the first 40 years of my life and what I'm i going to do in the next 40 years, God willing. God gives me another 40 years of life. I'm about at the halfway mark. W- what will the next 40 look like? And one of the things I did practically is I wrote down some things. I like writing goals. Uh, I like making plans for the future. So I created something called my 40 for 40. ESPN is never going to pick it up, but uh, it was for me, 40 for 40. Forty, And it's a list of 40 things I want to do uh, at that time in my 40th year. It has since progressed to in my 40s, okay, because it's going to take me a while. And the list has things about my finances in it, how much money I want to save, how much money I want to give away. Uh, It has things in it uh, about my relationships with my kids. Uh, Some of them I was able to fulfill this summer, take them on some overnight camping trips and invest in their life. Some of it had to do with Lori and I, how many date nights I wanted each year with her. A bunch of them about hunting. And so if you're wondering, like, why did Bob preach the last two weeks? It's archery season, people. It's like, it's lucky I'm here. Let's be honest, okay? So, um. A lot of them to do with hunting, fishing, getting out. Uh, because I, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste the life that God has given to me. And, and I have this habit of asking, hey, what have I done with my life? And what am I going to do with my life? That's what I want to talk about this morning for you. What have you done with your life? What are you going to do with your life. And I wanna look at an odd little story to help frame this conversation. Matthew 20, Matthew 20, 20 through 28. It'll be on the screen or follow along with me if you got your Bible. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, that'd be James and John, also nicknamed, the sons of thunder. We'll get to there later, all right. Came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, Asked him a favor. What is it you want? He asked. And she said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These Places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers, probably because they hadn't thought of it themselves. Jesus called them together and said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great, you want to be great? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we finish up our series, I want to ask you an identification question, an ID question. The question is this, what can I do to make a difference? What can I do to make a difference in this life? It's one of the most important questions that you will ask in your life. What on earth am I here for? If you're in high school senior year in high school, you know you're getting asked this question all year long. What college are you going to? Where, where, where are you going to do with your life? Have you picked a major yet? If you go to college and in your, you're in your fourth or fifth year like me, it took me a little longer. It wasn't a doctor. It just took me longer. Okay, you can figure it out. You've got people asking you, what are you doing with your life? How are you going to pay back your student loans? That's basically what they're saying to you, okay? What are you going to do with your life? Maybe you're in a transitional moment with your job. Maybe like me, it was around your 40th birthday. You thought, what am I going to do with my life? What can I do to make a difference? It's this important question about purpose. In life, and this is where we land the plane on this identity-defined series talking about purpose. I want to I review a little bit for us. A week one, Bob taught on our identity, and he said this question: Who am I? Who am I? How do I define who I am? More importantly, how does God define who you are? And he answered that by saying, "This: You're the beloved of God." You are the beloved of God. You have the favor of, of him upon you. He is for you. He is not against you. He is Emmanuel, God with you. That is your identity. You are sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who you are. Then he moved on to belonging. He said, hey, I, I want you to engage with this question. Where do I belong. And he said, he said this, I thought it was so insightful. He said, there's no place you belong more than here. There's no place you belong more than here. If you are part of the body of Christ, which we call the church, the people of God, the family of God, you belong here. You belong here in worship. You belong here in communities. It's why we get up here and we talk very, very clearly. We want you to gather. We want you to connect in journey communities. We want you to serve. We want you to give. This is how you go all in with Jesus because you belong here. I would, I would add to that, Bob, Bob, phenomenal job. I would add to this. You belong to God. You're his. And the outflow of you being his is that you also belong to this body. So you belong to God and you belong to this family. Now, today we land on purpose. The last sphere of this Venn diagram, purpose. What difference can I make with my life? It's a timeless question. A question that thinkers and philosophers have been thinking about all of the years. It's one of the earliest questions that I'm sure cavemen would stare up at the sky and think, what in the world am I here for? It's a question maybe you're asking today. What purpose does God have for my life? I wanna try to answer that question. But there's two, two different answers, I think, to that question. Two different answers to that question. And they deal with motive. They deal with motivation. And, and here, here's, here's what I want to ask today. I want to ask for you to be really honest. Something we're actually not that good at in the church. Okay? I want you to, to take a check of what motivates you. What really motivates you. Listen, nobody's better at lying to you than you. Do you know that? Ain't nobody better at lying to you than you. So I, I, I want you, no nudging today. You don't get to nudge. Okay? Okay? You don't get to think, I hope so-and-so's hearing this sermon. None of that, okay? All right? None of that. You need to focus on your motivation. What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your soul? What is driving you when you think about the purposes of your life? What's your motive? There could be one motive, an answer to the question, and that answer is commonly found in the world around us. It's this, live life for yourself. Live life for yourself. Bob talked about this in week number one and he pressed in on us and I was like, when's he gonna say Burger King? Because Burger King says, have it your way right away at Burger King now, okay? Like this is the message of the ages. This life is about you And you living the best life that you can live for you, 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 you. And I actually thought, Bob, you're a little heavy-handed, man. Like, you've been hanging out with me too much, dude. Like, you're a little heavy-handed today on that when I listened to that two weeks ago. But I think he was right. In fact, this week, I got my identification card in the mail for our new healthcare provider. And it said this. It said this. Your happiness... Your health, choose you. Choose happy, choose healthy, choose you. The world shares this message each and every day to all of us. Live life for yourself. And it wasn't that much different 2,000 years ago. Let me prove it to you. Matthew 20, 20 through 21 says this. Then the mother of Zebedee, Zebedee's sons, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of it, of him. What is it you want? He asked. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Can we talk about overbearing mothers for a bit? Can we do that? No, okay. No, I'm getting some like, don't do that. <laughs> How about mother-in-law? No, we don't do that either. <laughs> All right. So we've got Zebedee's wife whose sons are James and John. They have a nickname. They're called the sons of thunder, right? So think Thor, Okay. Like that, oh, sorry, that made some ladies sin in the room. I apologize so much right now. Actually, we got, we got done watching the movie Thor one time. True story. My wife leans over and goes, you should work out a little more. Anyway, okay, <laughs> nothing to do with the sermon, just for free. That was for fun. Okay. <laughs> I tried that out the first service and she was like, but she's not here now. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Try it out again. The sons of thunder. They, they are noted throughout scripture. They're part of Jesus' inner circle. They go up on the mountain when Jesus transfigures. It's them and Peter. They go up on the mountain. They are part of Jesus' inner circle. They're related to Jesus. They're kind of like second cousins to him. So they're part of the family. And so um, you got Zebedee and his wife and their sons. And Zebedee's wife comes and says, hey, Jesus, I got a question for you on behalf of my sons. Now I know this has never happened in the real world. But has there ever been a mother who goes and says, "Hey to the coach or to the teacher or to somebody in authority over that kid, "Hey, I got something to tell you, my man. Something I need for you to do for me." It's it sounds like an okay request, right? A request of a mother. But you've, you you got to consider this. This is like they're that family Right? Once again, no nudging, right? But they're that family. Like they're known as the family of thunder. They're loud, which is awesome, because guess what? There's room for loud people in the kingdom. That's just, that's my takeaway, okay? So, it might be for some of you as well. There's room for loud people in the kingdom. It's also just audacious that she would come. And say that, hey, Jesus, I think you're going to come into your kingdom. It looks like that's going to happen. That whole dying on the cross thing you keep talking about, that, that thing, I don't get that, Jesus. But like that whole go- coming into your kingdom thing, I think you're going to overthrow the Romans. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be cheering. And then can we, get, can we get a cousin on the right and a cousin on the left? Can we get that, Jesus? It's even more interesting than that because you notice in there she bows down. So she's acting worshipful. Isn't that interesting? She's acting worshipful, but the request is real. She she is seeking her boys and herself and their position. She wants her boys to have a better life than she had. Sound familiar? I'm telling you right now, if you want your kid to have a better life than you had, their life may not be better. In fact, it may be far more tragic if you insulate them their entire life lives See it seems like a, a, an honest request a good request from a mother but it is filled it is filled with selfishness it is filled with position it is filled with i want my boys to have the best life for them We got to be careful as parents Sometimes we got to check our motivations. We want our kids to succeed. Why? Because that reflects good on us? Do we get get frustrated with them in the grocery store because they lose it because of them or because we're embarrassed for us? What's your motivation? What is your motivation? See, the motivation becomes very, very clear in this passage. She wants position for her sons. It is me-centric. It is about her and her kids. It is not actually at all about what Jesus wants. And like I pointed out, it's this weird worshipful thing. She gets, she gets down and kneels like, God, that's so hard for us. You think about this. Does that mean that you can come to church, raise your hands, read your Bibles, but not be doing it for Jesus? You bet. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe you're like, I just like being right and Christianity seems to be right so I'm gonna be a Christian because I like to be right. That sounds like crummy motives. That sounds like nothing to do with Jesus. Maybe it's, man, I just, I, I like people thinking I'm super spiritual. Like, so, you know, I talk about prayer a lot and how much I read the Bible but it has nothing to do with Jesus. It all has to do with a show. What's the motive? What's the, what's the motivation? Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? Do we live life for ourselves? Seems reasonably harmless. It even seems a little funny. His mom asking this request, but it's not funny because here's why. We settle for tiny little thrones. We settle for tiny little thrones and insignificant kingdoms. That's what we settle for. We we settle for the limitation of who we are instead of the vastness of who God is. We settle for our little ideas of what success looks like, of what winning looks like, of what attaining whatever measure we think we need to attain looks like. We settle for something that is less than. We we settle for a life that is just a life lived for yourself. And I'm telling you right now, if you live just for yourself, you're probably going to be really lonely by the end of it. And you will find no deep sense of purpose. So Jesus suggests a different way to them. He suggests that we live a life greater than ourselves. Live a life greater than ourselves than yourselves not limited to the scope of who you are but as grand as he is that is focused on what he wants what purposes he sees in your life what he thinks he wants to accomplish with you be open to something that is greater than yourself Matthew 20 we'll pick the pick it up back at 22 so she has just asked, hey, let them sit at your left and your right. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? And here's the pivotal moment. Because you're like, oh, that's Zebedee's, that Zebedee's wife. She's kind of like a Karen. No offense to Karen. Oh, sorry, Aunt Karen. My bad. Um, so, but like, okay, her name's actually Salome or Salome, depending how we pronounce it, right? Salome. Uh, so Salome, you think, oh, it's all on her. No, 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 listen, here, here's the deal. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? She doesn't answer. Guess who answers? Sons of Thunder. And they're like, We can. Like, that's just how I imagine they said it, right? Like, we can, Jesus. Right? As they got on their horse. Ha ha! Right? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, which he was saying, Yes, you will die. You will die. In a similar fashion to how I die, you will drink that cup. You cannot drink the cup of God's wrath. You cannot die on behalf of the sins of the world. You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared for my father. Even in that, Jesus is saying, even that's not my deal. That's the father's deal. I submit myself to him. I didn't, I don't, I don't, Philippians 2, I don't, I don't consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. No, 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 that, that, that's for him. My life is determined by him. When the 10 heard about this, so it's not just James and John, it's not just their mother, the 10 heard about this, they were indignant. They were mad. Well, we should ask for that. You, you know, Peter was like, man, I've been thinking about that all week. That whole walking on the water thing was pretty good. Probably should sit you know, at the right hand uh, when I come into the kingdom, right? They were indignant with the brothers. And Jesus called them together and said this. This is the different way. Flip it. You know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They force their will upon them. And their high officials exercise authority over them not so with you instead whoever wants to become what great say it like you mean it great among you must be your servant whoever wants to be great who wants to ever wants to live a life greater than oneself think about some of the greatest people in history. Think about who, if you could have lunch with anybody in history today, who would that be? Somebody talked to me a little bit after the service at nine o'clock about Mother Teresa. And they said, well, we could all do what Mother Teresa did, we just don't want to. He said, that, that's who I would want to go out for lunch with, Mother Teresa. What, what, what's marked about Mother Teresa? It's that she, she served. She, she lived a life greater than herself by becoming a servant. She moved in with lepers and ministered to those who nobody else even wanted to touch. Think about the greatest people in history. Isn't it interesting that they're all marked by service? They're all marked by knowing that there was something greater than themselves and then living toward that purpose. Let me make it a little personal. What about the greatest people in your life? What have they done in your life? What value have they added in your life? here's what I bet. If we, if we sat down and had a coffee and I said, Hey, who has, who's been the greatest people in your life? You would probably list the people who have loved you the best, cared for you, cherished you, added value to your life, blessed you the most, given to you the most, served you the most. And I wouldn't ask this question, but the opposite is true as well. If I would say, who's the worst people in your life? And you were honest You'd be like, there's that dude who calls me, and every time he calls me, the conversation starts with, hey dude, can you do a favor for me? Once again, no nudging, no nudging. See, that that's what we're called to. Something radically different. Radically different than the rest of the world. Something greater than ourselves. It's a great book. I would highly recommend it called The Motive by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, He's a fantastic uh, leader. And and toward the end of that book, he poses um, that the best leaders, the greatest leaders are servant leaders. And he actually gets really mad that we even have the term servant leaders because it implies that there's some other type of leader. He would say, you're only a leader if you are a servant leader. There is no such thing as a leader who isn't a servant, leader who isn't giving of themselves, caring for the other. Louis Giglio says it like this You'll only have a full funeral if you die young or you invest in other people. You'll only have a full funeral if you die young or you invest. In people, he notes, specifically, the next generation. See, because people are gonna tell what you did with your life someday. People are going to give account, and you won't be able to say anything because you will be dead, okay? Dead people don't get to talk. This is how it works, except for Jesus, okay? Like, that doesn't work. So they're gonna say things about you. They're gonna tell the story of what you did with your life. And I'm telling you right now, we had one not too long ago. This room was full of, Because we were celebrating a man who gave himself to thousands upon thousands of Montana State University students who loved them and served them, who loved and served his wife, who has physical limitations. And we celebrated him because he gave his life to a greater purpose, something far grander than himself. Live a life greater than yourself. See, here's the purpose. Boil it down. The purpose of the Christian's life is to give it away. The purpose of the Christian's life is to give it away. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a little Jesus, you're not following Jesus, that is awesome. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm glad you're kicking it around. And I want you to get a real clear picture of what it looks like to be a Christian because I don't, I don't think the people who say that they're Christians are always giving you a good picture of that, okay? Okay. Like, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, an all in follower of Jesus, is to live a life that is given away. Jesus withheld nothing from us, but gave all of himself to us. And that was his purpose. And guess what? If you call yourself a Christian, that is your purpose as well. And I want to say this to a few of you do better. Seriously, the world doesn't see that right now. What the world sees is this weird version of Christianity. It's all about what can I get? What can I get? How can you serve me? That doesn't look anything like, the, it looks just like the rest of the world. It looks nothing like Jesus. Let me, let me give you some examples. This is hard. Stay with me. Don't lean out. Come on. A get life versus a give life. A get life versus a give life. A get life looks like this. What can I get out of this sermon? Got real, okay? Just be honest with your motives. Like sometimes you're like, well, that was not that was not the best. I've had, you know, I uh, sometimes I wish, like I wish Bob was up there again. He did pretty, and you know, he was not so mean to me last week. You know, Brian's kind of hard on me. What did I get, what did I get out of that sermon? What that music, mm, hmm, hmm. music was not really for me. You're right, it wasn't, surprise. (laughs) Had nothing to do with you, honestly, honestly. What can I, what can I get, what can I get, what can I get? What can I get from my marriage? Man, I see marriages just head south so fast in a what can I get marriage, He says, what can I get? She says, what can I get? Listen, and if you're dating, courting, whatever, like, be honest. It's part of why you guys are dating is you're like, I wonder what I can get from that person. That's why some of you, like first couple years of marriage, really hard, okay? Or maybe it's just me. You're like, oh, that's fine. Okay, it was for me. Because I had to think about how selfish I actually was and, and how I wanted, wanted, wanted. It was all about me. Well, what can I get from my job? What can I get from my coworkers? What can I get from my boss? What can I get from them? What can I get from my friends? My relationships. Once again, the person that calls you, hey, can you, give me, can you do me a favor? Hey, can you help me out? They only show up when they need something from you. That's a what can I get person. What can I get with my money? It's my money, I earned it. If I make enough, I accumulate enough, what can I get with that? Can I get retirement where I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it? Because I want that for me. I earned it. What can I get? What can I get with my success, my influence, my achievements? What can I get from Jesus? Come on. Check your motives. Like sometimes we go in prayer and we say, Jesus... I got this and this and this and this, and I need you to say yes to all of them. Because if I was God, that's what I would do. And then we get angry when God doesn't fulfill those prayers in the way we want them to be fulfilled. What can I get from Jesus? Some of you are like, hell sounds hot and forever is a long time. Can I get some fire insurance, Jesus? And he's like, yeah, you bet. So, but is that all? Is that it? It sounds like a tiny kingdom to me. Tiny throne. What about this? Instead of a consumer mentality, that's what it is, a consumer mentality, you are being shaped and discipled by culture to become a consumer. What if you were a producer instead? Not in a works, righteous mentality, but in a responsiveness to what Jesus did. What if you would say this? What can I give to this worship service? How can I serve around here? How can I serve down at base camp? How can I serve some coffee? How can I greet some people? We have a chair team in here. They just set up chairs. We got to sit around and and pray about that this morning. Like somebody set that chair up for you to sit in today. We didn't know who was sitting where. We didn't know who was coming, but that chair got set up for you by somebody else. What can you give to this? Change your whole mentality. How can I give my, my heart to this? How can I give my worship? Like even if I don't have a, a voice that can hit a note, that's fine. What can I give to that? What can I give to the sermon? Like I don't get to talk back. That's fine. Think about it. Process it. Wrestle with it. What can you, what can you dive a little deeper into and learn a little more from? What can I give to my marriage this week? This would save some of your marriages. If you just said, what can I give? Said, what can I get? What can I give to my marriage? What can I give to my spouse? What can I give to my job, my coworkers? How can I add value to their life? How can I add value to my company? How can I add value to my boss's life? What can I give? What can I give to my friends, my relationships? What can I give with my money? It's not mine anyway. God gave it to me. I just get to steward it for a while. So, what can I give with my money? What can I give with my success, my influence, my achievements? How can you, how, listen, invest, invest, invest in the right things? Like some of you have incredible successes and achievements. Don't waste those, share those. There are so many young people in this this crowd and they need mentors. They need people to take them out for coffee and to say, I want to invest in your life. I want to share with you my achievements, my failures, all that I've learned. I want to share that with you. I want to give you something. What can you give as an offering to Jesus? Like what What if your prayers changed just a little bit and you were like, I'm not just going to give them a laundry list this week instead I'm gonna sit in his presence for a while and I'm gonna ask this question. Jesus, what do you want? Like, what do you want for my life? How can I, as said said in Romans, offer my life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you? How can I do that? What if you decided to live a give life rather than a get life? The end of this passage, Matthew 20, 26 and 28, says this. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to what? Give. Give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus modeled this to the fullest. He withheld nothing from you. There's this moment where he's sitting in a garden and he says, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, and then do you know what he says? But not my will, but yours be done. Not what I want, Father, but what you want, Father. I will go to the cross for them. I will withhold nothing, including my entire life, for them on their behalf, even though they're not worthy of it. Even though, given their own vices, their own addictions, their own thoughts, their own patterns, their own habits, they would choose hell every time I will die for them so they so they may see life and see it to the fullest. I will choose that for them. I will give it all. If you've never heard the message of Jesus, that is the message of Jesus. He will say over and over and over again, I give it all for you. I give it all for you. I withhold nothing from you a life that is given away. Here's our summary. This is what we've learned in the last three weeks. You are a beloved child of God. That's who you are. You are a beloved son and daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Of Lords. That is a grander identity than the world gives you. It's a grander identity than you give yourself when you look at the mirror, even with the happiest of thoughts in the morning. Jesus gives you the identity as fully known, fully loved, that you are his beloved child. When he turns on his iPhone, guess whose face? It's yours. He's old school, he's got a wallet. You open that wallet, guess whose picture? It's yours. You are beloved and favored of God himself. That's your identity, that's who you are. And who do you belong to? Well, there's nowhere you belong more than here. There's nowhere you belong more than here. You belong to Jesus and you belong to this body. You are part of the family of God, warts and all, You're part of it. You bring your gifts to it. You bring your weaknesses to it. You bring all of yourself to it because you belong to this family, because you belong to God. Yeah. He bought you with a price. And because you belong to him, you belong to this thing that Paul calls the body of Christ, the church. There's nowhere you belong more than you belong here. And last... You were made to live a life greater than yourself. A life greater than yourself. Not, not a life that's limited to yourself, but a life that is greater by giving it away. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you give us new identity in you. Thank you that You see us. You see our hearts and our motivations. There's nothing hidden from you. God, for some of us, that seems scary. That even the darkness is not as dark to you, but as light as the day. God, I I pray that you would uh, allow that to not be a scary thought anymore. Allow us to embrace the identity, the belonging, and the purpose that you have given to us. Jesus, I pray that we would simply respond to this good invitation. Invitation to come and to hear your voice, to hear you say these things over us. To hear you speak identity. Pray that you would silence all the other voices that bombard us throughout the day. That we may hear you and you alone. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.